The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Before I introduce this morning's guest, I want to note today's 9-11 anniversary and also to send prayers and best wishes to those who are recovering this morning from the devastations of hurricanes uh, Harvey and Irma. These events remind us of the fragility of life, how we should always be ready to help one another, and why we should be ever mindful of our destiny on the other side. Our guest today, Jim Baba Bay, certainly was reminded of life's fragility when he suffered a near-fatal fall. Jim has been a landscaper and has worked at the family gas station for most of his adult life. He always was a believer in the NDE testimonies from from others, and on November fifteenth, two 2009, Jim had his own NDE when he free-fell 14 feet, landing on his head first. He suffered 26 fractures in the fall and in his time of need met God that night. Jim survived to tell about his encounter with death and the divine intervention which happened and has co-written a, a book about his NDE with the help of his friend Mick Ruzick. It's titled Miracle on Hammertown Road. He also now is an inspirational speaker to, talking to many different groups. His website is jimbubbabay.com. Jim, welcome to NDE Radio. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a it's a pleasure. Uh, I enjoyed your book very much. Uh, just Thanks. just finished it uh, about forty five minutes ago, <laughs> and um, so I, I guess the best way to approach this is just to have you um, uh, tell the tell the story of the accident and what you saw. Yeah, first I just want to reiterate what you said about uh, 9-11 today and then the hurricanes. May God bless everyone. Um, about my uh, uh, encounter, I was uh, brief. Uh, I was walk- I, I don't normally walk on my road at night. I just went out to uh, catch some fresh air. I usually walk in town, uh, and I ended up going out and walking on the road, the dead-end road. And uh, on the way back to my house, I... Uh, all like car lights coming down the road, and when I walk at any time at night, especially in or in the dark, I uh, tend to get up to the side of the road and I, I stop and wait, you know, so there's time for the car. You know, there, there's more time for reaction for everybody. Of and course. I, uh, so I saw car lights coming, you know, down the road. They're way up the road, but I saw them coming, so it made me move off to my left. I was walking towards traffic, and I. I Stepped off the side of the road. Next thing I know, I stumbled forward. And if it was just a normal hill or ground, I would have just fallen down and gotten back up. But it ended up being a culvert where I free fell 14 feet and landed on my head in the culvert. Mm. Um, my head technically went 19 or 20 feet because, you know, how they measure the height of you and stuff. But the ground from the, my feet down to the ground was like uh, 14, 15 feet. Uh, and I landed on my head on rock. Um, therefore, I was unconscious. Um, I don't know how long time, um, many NDEs, I'm sure, you know, the same similar things, uh, time kind of like just happens and you have no, you know, you don't know how long things were progressing. And, uh, so I was unconscious for a little while. I don't know how long though. And, uh, and then I woke up 
you know, laying on my on my back, on my head, and I uh, I realized something was really bad when I was bleeding really bad. Uh, blood was pouring on my head and then down my face, and and then when I reached up into my head, I had one good arm ended up being I reached my right arm and I reached up and I felt my head and it felt like my fingers were going in my skull. Mm. Uh, so at that point, I knew I was in real trouble. So. And then from there, I went to, uh, it kind of was like, okay, then I went, then I called out for help. Like, you know, normal. First thought I actually was, I, I thought about my cell phone, but it wasn't in my pocket and it wouldn't really help because cell service by where I live, where this road was is, um, it's not very, very good to begin with, let alone being down in a culvert. And, and then I, um, I called for help. And I called uh, many different ways. Uh, I, you know, I called, please God help me, and a few other versions of that. And I, I really, you know, I was trying to get some help. But my odds were very low since it's a dead-end road, and there's like six or seven or eight houses on the whole road, and it's a Sunday night, too, when most people mm. are inside, um, you know, getting ready for work or, you know, relaxing. So at that point... I knew I was really, well, I knew I was in really pain. Of course, I don't know how much damage I did until after the fact, but I was in severe pain. And, and as, as they said, um, many others have said, for me, it did, it happened is, um, things started to go in my head, like my life and all, all the things that happened, you know, in my life. And because I started to come to terms, I was going to die then. It started really coming to, you know, real life, like, okay, this is death. This is what's going to happen to me. And uh, my son, uh, I had two kids that passed away. They're all in the book, and it's a flashback book. And so I ended up, uh, my, I came to my son Robert in my mind, and he had died of um, kidney disease at uh, 18. Yes. My ex-wife found, found him in his apartment after three or four days, you know, dead. And mm. so you can't imagine what she saw, you know. And so... And her, her and I have never talked about actually what she saw because it's just too much. And so that made me realize, like, chances are I still didn't know where I fell. I had no idea. I couldn't comprehend, okay, I didn't know any of this existed on the road or anywhere where you could get hurt like this. But then I turned around and I contemplated, you know, I, I, I realized that if I could move, at the time I still didn't know if I could really move. I didn't know if I was paralyzed or or not. I moved my arm and stuff. I didn't know like my lower body I hadn't even attempted to move. Yes. And I thought if I I thought if I uh um then I decided if I could I finally figured out that there was a wall to my right and like to my left was field and I kinda figured out, okay, I don't I couldn't uh fall from the field side so I must come from the wall side. So then I decided to uh I decided that I would try to get to the road if that was the road to die because my son died three or four days and so I figured they would they would maybe not find me for a while so I thought if I get to the road you know I could be found in the morning yeah and, uh, that, that was what I thought was uh, so that's what I moved to the road for then I uh, I ended up uh, so I so what the crazy thing is is that I got to my knees and I still didn't know, but, but I assumed then I was not paralyzed enough and 
So I ended up uh, crawling, uh, you know, over to where the base of the hill was. And then I uh, crawled, uh, like, the 14 feet up a steep embankment uh, through the, you know, the wood and the leaves and the, there was rocks and dirt. <laughs> That's and, uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, people yeah. people see where I fell. Can't believe I actually – people have gone down there and they're healthy and they try to get up, you know, the, where I went up. They, you know, it, it's an effort, you know, even when you're real healthy. I mean, it's not a, it's not a mountain or anything like that. It's a, you know, it's a nice uh, ravine, you know, but – you know, it's it's hard to climb up that being healthy. Yeah, so let alone with all those fractured bones. Yeah, yeah, they can't believe, people can't believe I actually climbed out of there. So I actually uh, climbed up the hill, and again, like, life goes up on you and all these thoughts and things of my grandfather and just everything was going my kids. And I, I kind of was coming to a, I was at a, a spot that I had, I had kids, uh, I have, you know, three kids still living, two, two are in heaven. And, uh, I was at a point, and then of course, you know, some of my grandparents are there, you know, but I, I, I have, I was at a point where, uh, I was really upset and upset, but on the other hand, I was like, well, I'm going to go see my kids in heaven. Uh, my one son lived, you know, like I said, to 18, died of kidney disease. Um, so how much, you know, he's in heaven, if, if you believe in heaven, you know, and then, uh, my other son was only a pound four ounces, lived ten days and died. So you know, so that's kind of where I was getting to. Like uh, climbing, started climbing. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm, and I thought I, I thought I did enough to go to heaven. You know, I thought I, you know, wasn't a such a bad person. You know, that I, I thought I would get there. That's what I thought. So, you know, I was having mixed emotions. I mean, you know, I was upset and crying and everything like that. But I also, you know, there's a chance I might see my kids. You know, my other kids. Yes. But then I ended up getting up to a point where the, I could see the road uh, in the dark. It was flat. And I got to this log. And the log's a big key to the whole story because I ended up laying on this log. And you, everybody in the world, you know, they could lay on a log. And, uh, you know, you would know it's a log in the dark, but can you describe the log in the, you know, the dark? So, you know, and so what happened was, I was there, and of course I was content and dying. When I got to there, I couldn't do no more. My uh, hope, my you know, everything was done. My tank was empty. But, you know, um, like my how do I you know, like my my faith was empty. It wasn't like I wasn't unfaithful no more. It just my everything was empty on me. You know, there was no hope. I mean, it's a dead end road. I made it there. I could barely climb up the hill. Let alone, what am I going to do now? There's no cabs coming by. My only, you know, my slim chance was a car might come by, but, you know, even that was very slim um, on that road. You know, my road there, it's only, it's only uh, you know, a dead end road, like I said. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I went, I went and put my, uh, I closed my eyes and, uh, was undying. And, uh, I really was at, at peace in a way. And, uh, then I was laying on the log and, um, so I was laying on the log, and then the next thing I know, I was the. It got bright, and when when we wrote the book, my friend Mickey there, he we, we would email back and forth, and he's like, "Describe it, describe it," and I finally was able to describe what it was like. You know, like everybody, I'm sure everybody's experienced once or twice where we're all kids and we oversleep, mm-hmm. and our parents come in and turn the lights on in the room, and there's mm-hmm. this like bright light on the outside of our eyelids. Well, that's what ended up happening to me. 
as I was laying on logs, so up the, this brightness, the light was like like almost burning outside of my eyelids. And so it made me open my eyes, and it was just the most amazing sight I've ever seen in my life. It just was amazing. And as I was, the light, the light grew brighter and brighter and brighter. Uh, this figure was coming towards me and ended up, you know, hovering above me in, on the road and kind of came towards me. And then alongside the figure was my um, two kids. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I just couldn't believe it. It got it was really bright white, and then it got colorful. And uh, it was, um, you know, a father, you know, kind of a grandfathery kind of figure. And it ended up being God. And people have said, and, you know, I, I talk, like I said, inspiration people, like you said, and people, you know, come from all angles with me about the God thing. And, and, and some people said, oh, the Bible says you can't see God at all. You never could see God. And I said to the one person, I said, I don't know. I'm okay with that if that's what you say. But he said, my son, Jesus. And I said, for all I know, it could have been Jesus's body and figure and God talking through him. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, this is my experience. So we ended up, you know, so he was there. And I've done interviews, like I said. And then one of the, one of the interviews came, some, they asked me, did I see orb or light? Um, you know, that, is that what I saw? Well, of course it's called the light, but this fear came forth. Before I fell, I was, um, I called my, I call, it's a funny name, you know, name I got now, but uh, I, I call myself a Christian Christian. I was a believer. I don't know the Bible, but I went to church Christmas and Easter. So I combined mm. Christmas and Easter. And it, you know, that's kind of where I was, you know, in my, and then spirituality wise, on top of that, I didn't know like, um, shaman, Reiki. I didn't know anything about the Indians, you know, and I didn't know any, you know, I didn't know all, all this different kind of spirituality. Uh, you know, I knew they like Buddha. I knew, but I didn't know about it or anything. So my uh-huh. spirituality was small, I guess you would say, the, the intelligence of my spirituality. So if an orb or a light showed up that night for me, there's no way I would have moved. I was in so much pain, I would have had no idea what I was seeing. And there mm-hmm. wasn't. So the only way that I was going to move off that log or even be here to talk about it is a figure had to come for me. It's what I needed at the time. So you're saying, what was happening. Jim, you're saying something that I've thought uh, in the past and is that the, these um, near-death experiences are very personalized. Uh, they bring what you need at that time to to you, and that's what you see. Yes, yes, and and, and so and God God appeared to you as a as a person because that's what you needed to see. That's what I needed to move. I wouldn't. I swear. I I, I had twenty six fractures. Matter of fact, I was with a couple guys, four guys, or three guys, and myself, and. They, one of them said, oh, you know, it was a more of a smaller group. They said, oh, how much pain were you in? And this is the only way I could explain it, and it's still not right, but it, I said, well, has anybody broke any bones, any three of you? And the one guy broke, broke a bone and the other two didn't. I said to the guy, I said, well, how, how painful were the bone you broke? He said, oh, it was really painful. I said, this ain't exact science, but multiply your pain by 26 times. That's what yeah. I was feeling. Yeah. Now, so, when you saw your, your two children... Did they appear the way they had been when, uh, you know, when you'd last seen them, or ha- were they yeah. older? Did that was the a ten no, day old baby more mature? No, they appeared the way that I, I knew them. You okay, know? so and, so you you needed that too then. And I needed that, and then another reason. It's funny as you go along 
through this journey with my book and all my speaking and stuff, and you go to different groups, they ask different questions, and mm-hmm. then you learn more and more about you know yourself and why. Someone asked me about why my kids and stuff like that, and then I realized why my kids were there on top of it was that, my like I said before, my son was, my one son was 18 and died of kidney disease. He, there wasn't a lot of time in the world to do a lot wrong. So there was a very good chance he was going to be in heaven. And then my other son lived 10, t- 10 days and was a pound four ounces. And where else could he be? He never yes. made it out of the hospital. So my whole point is they were there to reiterate to me that what I was seeing came from heaven. You follow what I'm saying? I so do. Of course of, I do. It, it, it kind of gave me what I needed to be like, this is really happening. Now, what you sort know? of dialogue did you have with God? Well, I, I say this and people, you know, I, it, I, I say this to other people. If you had a question in your life that you always pondered and you always wanted, every individual has a question. It's the biggest mm. question in their life. Wouldn't you think if you met God, he would answer that question for sure? Well, that's yes. what happened <laughs> to me. That was one of the biggest questions that was answered for me. As I claimed before, I don't know the Bible. I, I've learned the Bible, the Bible more, and, and, and I, I, I identify by names now. I'm learning as I go, but I didn't know about the Bible for sure. And the reason why I didn't know the Bible before, I was very upset as a person that all these people were killed in the name of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like the scientists back in the 15, 1600s, whatever the time period, I'm not a scholar, but, uh, you know, and, and, and all these different groups and all these different people were killed and and, you know, in, in the Bible. And I know this sounds crazy, and, 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 and when I found out the answer, I'm like, okay, why didn't I think about that before? But it kind of took, you know, so that was my question, and that's why I didn't know the Bible. And then and then God, you know, came to me, and he answered it. And I know it sounds crazy, but it took that to answer for me, is that men interpret the Bible in charge. They interpret to, to the way they want to interpret it. And, and for their and, and their own their own good, you know. And then you know, the the message I got along the way was like, but don't you notice that those that do that, yeah, they may be in power for a while, whatever like that, but they disappear. Mm-hmm. And God and and the Bible continue on. So, and I think uh, in the book you say, uh, God said, one does not need to know the Bible to know Him. That's that's. That's my, and that's true. And that's where, you know, I, I come up, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the Bible. I wrote, wrote, I don't write the Bible. The book, you know, just in general is that I'm, I'm just Jim Bubba Bay, a landscaper, gas station guy, doesn't know the Bible, but believer. He's a Christian. He believes, he believes, and he, he goes, he, he's not against church. He goes to church. He's not against the Bible. He just doesn't understand why, you know, if it's really that. And he doesn't, you know, and 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 then I'm in the book, as you know, Prayer of Jabez ended up by Bruce Wilkinson ended up being a huge turning point for my spiritual life. But yes. he ended up, he came to me, you know, and so God's for everybody, you know. And uh, come from d- me. Did, didn't he also say that you should share the uh, the events of of that night with uh, the, that everyone who would listen? You yes. Yeah. That he gave yeah, you a he, job to do, in other words. Yeah, and, and I just had a, I was going to, I asked the gentleman if I could use it. I'm not going to, he said I could use his name, but I'm not going, you know, right now I'm not going to. But just yesterday, 
me and my son went to Sam's Club. I walk in mm-hmm. the door. Now, talk about, I, I don't believe everything happens through, there's no coincidences. You meet the people you're supposed to. It's the Holy Spirit running through us, working through us, and all that. So I go into Sam's Club. I go in the door. We, we normally don't go there first. It's funny. We have a routine like most of us. You know, we go here and do this shop and then go here. and So we change things. And I walk in, and there's a gentleman sitting there who, who I who I know through our gas station and stuff. And I, will, he, I, I just say, hi, how are you doing? And he shakes my hand. He goes, I read your book. He goes, I love your book. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And his wife's there. And the whole point of the story is, then I go like this. I said, well, you know, he says, how are you feeling? I said, well, my chronic pain's always there. It's just the way it's going to be. You know, you, you know, 26 fractures is kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, I want to tell you, your book helped me. Like, your, your book is amazing. It, it just helped me so much. And I'm like, oh, yeah? He goes, oh, yeah, I had, I, I, I have cancer. And I was having surgery. And I read your book before I went into surgery and, and started battling cancer. And your book has carried me through. Mm-hmm. Now, so, I'm going to jump ahead a little in your story because we we uh, don't have much time but right. you make it to a, a a neighbor's house and you'd make it to the hospital ultimately now one of the things i found very interesting was the series of dreams you had and when you mentioned sam's club it reminded me that you and you and your dreams saw sam the scarecrow so tell us a little yeah. about that yeah it was let's just say well, I was induced in a coma and people say, but anyway, I hit my head too. So, you know, it, it was reality wasn't reality. I thought reality was what I was living at the time. And I had many mm-hmm. other dreams that I shared when I'm speaking that didn't make the book. And there's many stories. I probably could just do a book on that, that whole world that I went. And uh, I had to, some of them were scary, but some of them were very comforting. And I ended up having this friend, Sam the Scarecrow who actually worked along a field edge, almost like a ticket kind of thing. And uh-huh. I would walk down the road, pack a lunch, and I would walk down to Sam on a beautiful day, fall day. And, we, you know, when we would sit in chairs and we would eat lunch and we would talk about politics and he would keep me updated on the current news. Of course, what I thought was the current news. And we would talk <laughs> politics, sports, and, and it was so live and vivid. And all the time I visited him many, many, many times while I was not here. You know, I, it was in another place. And uh, it, it just was very comforting. And then when hey, I left. I, I wonder yeah. if this was something like a guardian angel just keeping your uh, spirits up while you were in the coma. I, I could, could possibly be. I mean, it was so. And people, some people are like, hysterical. Aren't they scary? And it just, he was just. He was just the nicest guy. And then actually, afterwards, when I was out at a hospital, he came to me while I was in, in reality, this reality right now. He came to me again, and uh, he invited me and my whole family. Then I ended up taking my whole family, with, and uh, we went to his house. I met his kids because I never went to his house, and we actually went out deer hunting and stuff for the day. Yeah, And this, was, this was a dream, too? Yeah, this is a dream that happened. Like no drugs, no, you know. But it, it sounds like you know? such a real part of your life, you know. It's, yeah, it's yeah, he became part of my life. Yeah, you know. Now there was another thing that happened while you were in the coma. You said in your book that you were visited by a woman dressed in white, and right. uh, yeah. who told you that God came to you for a reason. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, it was just. Um, 
of course, while I was in the hospital, I, I uh, you know, I, I real can I tell real key? So this is a real key to the story. So anyway, when I, when I was on the log, I was able to describe. You know those trees that lose their bark and they're hard on the outside, soft, and they look like telephone poles. Mm-hmm. I was I was laying on a log like that, and why it was so important that people almost can't deny every you know they can't deny that actually some kind of light happened was it, it was it was at nighttime in the fall, so it was dark. It was foggy. They were going to fly me in a helicopter. That's how bad I was. But the helicopter couldn't fly, so there was no, you know, they couldn't fly. So the moon, the moon was not out because it was so foggy. Of course, the sun was not out. No car came down the road because I was as close to the road as you could be. They would have stopped and helped me, or at least see me. And the houses weren't near where I fell. There's no home, like, right there. And there's no streetlights. So yes. What other light could there be in the middle of the night, dark, to light up a log that I could describe? And I described that, you know, to my family, uh, right out of a, you know, a coma, and said, "This is where I met God." This is next. They did say there was a lot of blood on the log, so I stopped. And then my brother showed me in the Karen Bridge, you know, painted it for me. When I went to rehab, they showed me where I fell, and there in the photo was the. the I saw the the log exactly as I described, straight out of a coma was the log I met the God at. Wow. So, yeah, it was unbelievable, pow- you know, powerful. So then the, the angel came. I, I think it was because, you know, we have doubts in our minds. So we're like, wow, did that really happen? And it, mm-hmm. she came uh, to, to comfort me because, again, Sam was comforting me. She came to comfort me, and she came to let me know that I have a, you know, purpose and that to, to listen, you know, and, and messages will come. And, and they do. I mean, I... I've had many times now where I, I did it the first time and it turned out bad, but the first time I stayed with my plan and I didn't listen to the inner, I, I've never had the inner gut or the inner, like, go do this, you're supposed to go do this. Well, the first time, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I just continued on my plan. Well, the plan turned out not so great anyway, and I should have went and did that. So I said, hmm, but the second time it came to me that I should go somewhere, I listened to that. And sure enough, I changed all my plans and I went and did whatever I was supposed to do. And now I know why. Some mm. people needed to meet me. They were struggling. They were having a really rough time. And then they met me. And then they're like, wow, it's not so bad. And then, you know, so that happens. And then there's times I need to meet somebody, you know, because we, we always need to be... Uh, you know, rejuvenated and, you know, filled up, you know? That's a, that's exactly how it works. You know, we have to draw on one another's experiences and revelations. And uh, you've you've got a lot to share with people. Now, there's one more story I'd love to get in in the two minutes we've got left. And that is the, the time your snowplow, your truck was stuck and you, call, you asked your 10-day-old deceased son to help you. Yeah, that was just amazing. I had been stuck earlier at another job, another plow, and, and shoveled and shoveled for an hour and finally got myself out. And I was burnt. I mean, it was like a 15, it was a long, long day of plowing. And this one house I ended up going to where I was living at the time, it was near me, so it was my driveway to plow. It's like mm-hmm. God's country, even on the nice day and stuff in this mountain. So I was going up this mountain, you know, this hilly driveway, mountain kind of driveway. And I go up there and you get up there. It's like, it's like you feel you're close to God. And I got up there and, uh, I ended up, uh, you know, I went in and, and, um, I just, you know, it was back laid in front of the garage and I got stuck. 
and I tried a little bit, and um, shovel. I was so tired, you know. I tried a little little shoveling and nothing, nothing. Mm. And I, I just was so tired. I got on my knees and I, I kind of cried. And some people say you're supposed to pray to God and not, but I, I prayed for help for my little guy to come help me, you know. And right after I prayed, you know, I really tried getting out of butt and I couldn't get out. I was on my knees. I, you know, I kind of prayed to him and said, "Hey, can you come help your old man out?" And and all of a sudden, all the lights on the truck all blinked, and everything went crazy. And I was, like, freaking out. And I was like, so I got in the truck, and I put it in reverse, and it backed out with no nothing. Yeah, I love it that the lights all were all flashing suddenly. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then the lights, as I say in the book, then they never... I drove that truck for many years later. It never happened again. Never said that night. It wasn't, like, electrical, you know, you know, it never happened. It just, they all worked. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it was your son. Wow. Well, this is, uh, this has been really, uh, really fun and fascinating. And, um, Jim, how can people find your book? They can find it on, uh, you know, jimbabay.com. They can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's also available ebook. It's for Kindle and Nook. It's also available as an audio book on audible.com mm-hmm. as an audio book. They can, you know, do that, Google all that. And then also they can go in their local bookstores and, um, if they, you know, they can order it through their local bookstore, you know, if they wanted to, you know, um, or like I said, they or they can go to my uh, publisher's Hudson House Publishing. They can order it right through them too. That's terrific. So. And his book's titled "Miracle on Hammertown Road." Well, my thanks to you, Jim, for sharing your story of your near-death experience with us. Um, if the listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for information on IANS, check out their website at iands.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>